We produced an article about Street Fighter V Season 3 characters and how they're just really not making the grade. Twitter got mad at us, and so now we have some words to hopefully clarify our point. Plus, Daigo wins his first premiere event of 2018, Laura had a surprisingly good weekend, and later, Majin Ten Shinhan joins us to talk about Evo numbers and what they potentially mean for each of the fighting games that'll be at this year's big dance. <sighs> this is the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to the Event Hubs Podcast. I am Velociraptor, and with me as always is co-host and El Presidente of Event Hubs, John Catalyst Gray. Well, we had quite a few things in order to uh, to talk about today, but I wrote an article last night about the Season 3 DLC characters for Street Fighter V, uh, namely how they all kind of suck so far uh, to varying degrees. Um, and there's been some backlash about it. Uh, I've seen some stuff on Twitter from a, from a couple of different people saying that they don't suck and, and uh, you know, describing as to why and such. And so I guess uh, I'd like to jump into this a little bit deeper, kind of respond to those comments, clarify what, I, what I've been saying um, or what I meant to say if, if it didn't come across clearly to everybody um, as to uh, why, what I mean by when I say the season three of Street Fighter V thus far kind of sucks. And um, <laughs> I want to come out beforehand and say that uh, I think that there were a handful of people that just saw the headline and immediately went to the comments and didn't actually read everything. And uh, that, I mean, to you, I just say, well, uh, there, there's, there is no reaching you. So Hey, hey, you know what? For... That's what I did, and I don't appreciate that insult, John. And you know what? You can <laughs> you can kind of suck it, too. You know, so <laughs> it's a, there we go. I, I'm seeing a bunch of people online just to jump in and just saying, like, hey, like, they're, they're like, oh, you're flat out declaring these characters suck and all that. It's like, he said kind of suck, you know, kind of thing. It's like, they're not very good right now. They're not representing in tournaments and stuff like that. That's kind of like my bone to pick with the number of the comments I'm seeing online at this moment. Mm -hmm. Well, first things first, um, I think the people that are reacting um, with uh, like with negativity and, um, and, you know, pushback to what I've been saying here are taking it as though I'm saying that these characters are like not playable or, or just like terrible um, like on the tier lists, I, I think that they are, you know, above like Alex and Vega level, at least perceived Alex and Vega levels. Um, but they're not amazing. Uh, and I, and I've said before, I think I said on, I, it was last week's podcast, Blanca is around smack dab right in the middle of the tier list. Um, and, and, and a couple of weeks back, people were saying, uh, generally on Twitter and social media and such, saying that Blanca was like super bad and not viable. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Alex Valle, who's been playing Blanca, said, if you think Blanca's super bad and not viable, you haven't played against him very much and you just don't know the matchup. And I thought, yes, exactly. And, and then, you know, like last week, for those that didn't listen, I explained why I think that he's a scramble character. He uses his V-trigger and, and kind of like finagles his way in, but when he has his V-trigger active, he gets up in your face and basically scrambles with you and makes you guess. And if you guess right, wrong well then he gets pretty decent damage and maybe some setups afterwards and that's going to win you about half of the you know win you matches about half of the time which is kind of where in a nutshell um or, or why he is where he is on the tier list i think pretty much around the middle um sakura came out she was pretty low down and then she got some buffs and i actually i'm i'm flat out stated here, I think she's a little bit better than people give her credit for. And then Falk, uh, I feel like she's widely unexplored. Mm -hmm. We've seen Justin Wong use her in tournament, we've seen Oil King, and then we've run into a handful of her like online and such. 
but outside of that, we're not seeing a ton and and um, we're not seeing a ton of action with her at all in tournaments and somewhat online. And then as far as Cody goes, I actually think he's a little bit better than what I'm seeing on a lot of tier lists that have been coming out recently. We're still pretty early in the data mining process for, for Cody, and, and it, you should kind of withhold judgment on him. But like he seems to show a lot of potential. He's got great control of like the mid-range um, and the space directly in front of him. Some pretty cool tools. We haven't had much of a chance to see anyone use him except for Momochi yet, and then there's a handful of them online, and, and he's doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the article I said, uh, I, can, I have it up in front of us. It's in like the fourth paragraph down, so I can read it directly to you, though. It says, Cody seems to be the season's only potential bright spot thus far, as he appears to be decently strong. It's still very early and in the data collection process, but our fingers are crossed that we'll see some significant Cody action in upcoming major tournaments. So he's kind of still a wild card on this front. Now, what I'm saying is that these characters, uh, I'm not saying that they're completely unviable and, and that they're just like wastes of time. What I'm getting at with this entire article here is that Capcom has created this this model, which makes sense, where you know you release more and more of the game as the years go by as DLC content, and that's common practice nowadays. We kind of expect it, and everyone kind of accepts it. Like, yeah, that's fine. What happens, though, is if you're hedging most of your, your bets or, or putting most of your eggs in the basket of getting people to want to buy DLC characters, they better be worth people's time. And they better allure, uh, they better have an allure about them to make people want to purchase them. And what we've seen so far with these characters, like Sakura, Blanca, and Cody are returners. So they have already some some magic that just comes because of who they are because people already know them they already love them they already have fan bases yeah and that's it's a really strong point here to bring up that <clears throat> sakura blanca and and cody and again i'm i really want to not include cody in here he came out in late june uh he's barely kind of got on the scene momochi has done some stuff with him some other players are like when we've we've talked about this a number of times we're reserving judgment on the character very heavily but sakura and blanca in particular are two very popular characters amongst the community uh they've had a following in pretty much every game they've been in and they've come out and the reactions kind of been meh you know like uh, what are these characters like uh, okay you know like you've got notable people who play these characters like Alex Myers who plays Sakura and he dabbled with the character a little bit and then uh, ultimately has basically gone back to maining Kami because it's like look like there's kind of no point playing Sakura in this game outside of maybe a few matchups where she does decently it's kind of like yeah it's uh, the characters that have kind of come out with a whimper basically instead of a bang Exactly, and it's very important based on this model that you're that you're the the whole thing that injects a new sense of hype and reason to continue playing beyond just the basics of your game is fun and we have this pro tour and such. But like it's it's a it's like a roller coaster, and each time one of these characters comes out, it's a spike in in a potential attention and hype and purchases for your game. And these characters, I do not think, have delivered widely speaking on that, and that's a problem for Street Fighter Five because. Like Sakura is like, it, it, great, we have this character that we know and love. She comes out. Uh, a lot of people are going to buy her just because they like her, and that's good, good. That, that, like I said, she hits the ground running. But then she's getting this negative word of mouth, and people are kind of like so-so about her, and you're not seeing her in tournaments, and you're not seeing her much online. And we actually linked up the character usage for the, I guess it would have been June, and these characters were like amongst the bottom of the barrel as far as how much people have been playing them online. And sure enough, we haven't seen much of them, as we just said, in tournament. Right. And so what I'm I, saying here is... 
Oh, no, ahead. I want to add in just like just a, the tournament stuff. We have more tournaments and competitions than we've ever had before. The Pro Tour has a lot of, of, of things that they've you know roped in, and there's a lot of coverage. There's a lot of spotlight on the events that are going on. We had you know three great tournaments this last weekend, one premiere, and then two CPT ranking events, and I think we even have an online version or something like that last last week as well. Like there's a lot of competitions each and every week, and you look down the list, and you might see these characters in there like occasionally, but they're nowhere near making the explosion of pretty much any other cast members out there. There's a lot there that goes into it, but the bottom line is like the data, you may think whatever you want to think of these characters, but the data flat out shows that they are not showing up in tournaments or online that much. Like, period. It's just not happening. Yeah, the, the stats here are that Falk, Blanca, and Sakura are 29th, 27th, and 21st most played characters, respectively, in June. And it's like, that's okay. Like, there, there have to be characters that are on the bottom of the list, you know, and Thong and Dalsim and company are usually there. Um, but the, the thing is, these are your new, shiny reasons to come and play the game, and yet you're not seeing people play them. And again, it's with this whole DLC model where you're going to release six new characters every year, you want people playing your new characters, and Capcom is not winning in that in that aspect with this season thus far. Cody, I've seen a lot more of online, Yes. and, I, and again, I think there's potential, so maybe he's starting to make things look up. G, I mean, obviously that's that's like a big question mark. He doesn't have that hit the ground running aspect because he's a brand new character, but he is interesting. I feel like there's a general interest about him so far, so we'll see. But when you don't have that, when you're when you're in Falk or G's position, you need to be pretty good because that's going to be one of the main reasons people play you. Mm-hmm. Like your physical appearance, which Falk like her, well, at least with her animations and such, people were like, "What is this?" Like she, her release was was bombarded with negative spotlights because she, like, her animations looked so funky, and people were just talking about that more than anything else. And and so she got off to a to a rough start. But like one of the ways you make these characters, um, you make people want to buy these characters is you make them good. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to see them come out and just be broken, and so like everyone's just playing them, and 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 like of course that's that's too far in that direction. But what you do want to see is is a reason for people to play these characters, yeah. and ultimately that's that's this whole thing in a nutshell. There isn't much reason to play these characters, and we're not seeing them very much online. We're not seeing them very much in tournament. And I would say, and I say this in the article too, it's better to err on the side of making them too good than too bad, yeah. because one. I, either way, it's 2018. You can you can buff and nerf characters and change things up. So like they come out, they're too good. People are gonna play them for a while. You t- you tune them down a little bit, fine. But at least they're on the radar. Yeah, it, the, you know, the big at thing, least they're making you money. We we talked about this before, but a big thing is like, look, like uh, okay, so let's let's say I'm gonna pick up Blanca, you know, and, and try to play the character. I'm having to face people on a regular basis that have been playing the game for a year or two with their main character, and and not only is the character not that great, but I'm having to deal with all that collective knowledge uh, that someone has built up with that and yeah that can be an advantage like because again like how many people have you know great experience with a high level Blanca probably very few and far between you can make that work for you but making that work for you is very hard we already know that with a a mid-tier low-tier character the amount of work you have to put in to make that character go is quite a bit plus the technology for those characters typically don't exist there's not a lot of people playing them it's it's a very vicious cycle that happens out here and yeah it's 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 kind of terrible like I 
I, I don't get the the argument for people. Like, it, again, it kind of comes back to people just like, hey, I, I read your tweet, you know, kind of thing. And now I'm going to respond to it. You suck. Your opinion sucks, blah, blah, blah. And there's not, not everyone's doing that, just to, to be clear and whatnot. We're blowing that up a little bit. But, uh, Again, there, there's there's a lot of nuance to this. It's They, they kind of came out, like I said, with a, a meh, instead of like, oh, yeah, these are br- some brand new characters. And people might be saying, okay, well, hey, you know what? These characters haven't been out for that long. Well, again, if you forgot, Sakura came out in mid-January. Blanca's been out in mid-February. Like, those are several months for people to get kind of good with these characters. And you look back at someone like Akuma or Guile or a handful of other characters, even Yurian or Abigail or Manat, and these characters, they they had people picking them up and playing them in tournament. You saw these characters in tournament and people competing with them pretty much right off, right from the get-go. And you can kind of say there's at least something wrong when you're basically never seeing these characters in tournament and it's been several months in. Like, it may not be a horrible wrong, but there's like there's something kind of off when people are not picking up these characters and playing them. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, there were a surprising number of Blancas, and I, I forget, maybe it was CEO, a recent big tournament where there were like a handful in top 64. Now they didn't um, ultimately make it into like top eight or anything like that. But I mean, it was noteworthy. But the fact that it was like, wow, there are a bunch of Blancas like, and, and we had to exclaim about that also speaks to how rare we, we actually see him, mm-hmm. right? And so also what I think, um, well, here, that's that's a, that's my next point. What I want to get to before we move on to that, though, is that um, back to the idea of it's better to err in making these characters too good than too bad. The other part of that is if you make them too good, it's like, okay, well, you need to dial them back, and that would, that would bring its own problems. But you would have them on people's radars, and people would be already playing them. Then you dial them down, and people are going to grumble a little bit if they main them, but they're going to stick with them. Mm-hmm. If you do it this way, and they kind of fall off the, the grid, to begin with it's much harder to bring them back into people's focus without now like you know you really got to buff them up and 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 it's a lot harder to to get people to look at them now that they've just fallen off and you know i think what a lot of people did that that are you know that found some contention with this is is they see like maybe they are mains of of blanca or or sakura or you know any of the new characters cody we saw automatic who's uh who's been playing a lot of cody lately kind of uh, say this, I think he was one of the first to, to say something about this article saying, uh, why does this article talk about characters that suck but describes nothing about the actual gameplay of these characters? Which is a fair point and it's something that we could go into. Um, but I say that my, my initial point there is to say that I think a lot of these people feel like it's like a personal attack. It's like, no, this is my character and you're saying this character sucks and it's like, I get you, I hear you, but I'm not I'm not trying to make it any kind of a personal attack on you guys. And what I ultimately am hoping for is the better for these characters because it's better for Street Fighter V. And as much as we complain about the game and point out its problems and such, uh, ultimately, like, this is a game I play every single day, almost, unless I'm, you know, away from home or something like that. But I put hours in every day, um, really want to do well at, and I've immersed myself in. I don't hate the game. I want it to be as good as possible. But I also feel like it's my responsibility to point out things that are flawed about it so ultimately that they can get fixed. And so that's where I'm coming from. It's not to just completely on characters and on the game and things like that. It's to ultimately work towards a better product. But so I also wanted to go and look at some of these individual responses that we've seen on um, social media and, and maybe, maybe not like kind of respond directly to them. As far as uh, what Automatic said about not addressing the actual gameplay stats or, or the uh, the tools that these characters have that makes them really bad. No, no, I didn't. I didn't do that at all in the uh, in the story. 
And uh, I don't feel like I necessarily have to. That could be its own article. It could be like, here's the, you know, I've, I've spent a couple hours with each one of these characters in training mode, and I've looked at the videos and stuff and, and analyzed exactly why they can't hang in Street Fighter. But um, no, honestly, I personally haven't grabbed these characters and, and tried to analyze them like that. I could do that, but I don't think that what I'm saying here in this article calls for that. What I'm saying is, right. is more it, along the lines of yeah, I, people aren't playing them and that's the problem. Exactly. They're not coming in with a bang. It's They might have some good tech for them. And we talked about this in our tier list that, hey, look, these characters are flying under the radar right now. It might be because they have some good hidden tech, but people shouldn't have to dig that hard to be able to pick up a brand new DLC character and be able to do something relevant with them you know be able to have fun with them be able to kind of put them on the map a little bit like they should have enough going for them like kind of right off a face value to, to get people going that's what we're talking about it's very important it's you're trying to entice people to pick up the game it doesn't mean that they're easy mode and they're broken stupid great it just means that they have enough going for them on the surface that an average player of these games who's buying the dlc has a shot to do something with them Exactly. And that moves me over to Vassant's um, comment saying essentially that Blanca is a lot better than people might think. He says, um, the current SF5 meta lines up really well for Blanca. It's safe to assume that the top five characters are Kami, Akuma, Guile, Ibuki, and Minot in some order. Blanca does fine on all of them besides Kami. He might even win the Akuma-Ibuki matches. And it's like, that very well may be true, and that's awesome. We need to have enough people that delve into this character. We need to see enough action with this character to really unearth that potential. And so far, we haven't seen that happen. Now, maybe it will, and and that's great. And and I would gladly take remove Blanca from the uh, this the, you know the suck list, if you will, um, because then he's getting attention and everything. But he's been out since February, and we haven't seen much action with him. The the community hasn't seen him doing much, and he hasn't been making waves like you want new coming characters that represent like the the spikes or potential spikes of hype for your game to be doing they're not making the splashes that they need to if blanca does that great but he's even even if he or falk or all of these characters are amazing and they're actually the top tier of of the game and we just don't know it yet like well there's a reason why we don't know it yet and that's because we haven't dug into it and some of them like cody we talked about don't really have time to dig yet but a lot of the other ones we have had some time and I mean, here we are months and months in and we're not seeing action with them. And it's like, it's the season, this is season three, you know, like it, it to an extent needs to be about the season three characters. But no, I would love to see Blanca be amazing and, and be up there in, in the top part of the uh, the tier list and such, because I think that that would ultimately be good for Street Fighter and it ultimately would get more people buying the character. And then that's good for five and it's good for the longevity of the game and such. Yeah. So I, I think we, we've hit this pretty good. And, and I, you know, we, we do like to address this stuff when we hear feedback online and, you know, talk to people and say, hey, this is why we feel the way we do. And again, it's, it's fine to disagree with us. You know, we're just expressing our opinion and, and kind of how stuff lines up. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to get into here was uh, actually talking about Laura in Street Fighter V. Um, just kind of, you know, talking about character power reminded me of this. And before last weekend, Laura had three top eight appearances in season three, like altogether. She had, uh, well, she had actually 3.5. She had none in 3-0, but, you know, just kind of grouping those seasons together, basically. Uh, and so she actually doubled 
uh, the number of top eight appearances she had last week from three to six. And it's really interesting because a lot of people had written off the character and said, like, hey, she's just not very good anymore. Uh, she was very good in season two, uh, despite what Japan kind of thought of her in the two rankings and all that. Uh, she was always a strong character. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, just to kind of run down basically what happened is uh, three placed in the top 64 uh, versus fighting, which is a premier event. Uh, the one in top eight who got fifth place was Shax. Uh, he was very solid, uh, a little a little regular with the character, you know, kind of just throwing stuff out there. But that's how you play Laura in this. I, I think if you're very conservative with the character, you're not playing to her strengths. Uh, we also had a Laura player win the fight in Rio, which is a CPT ranking event. Uh, Apollo 3B. Uh, uh, took her first place with her and did a great job. And then we also had a Laura player, Idom, who's uh, often regarded as one of the top Laura players, if not the top. Uh, he got second place at Defend the North, another CPT ranking event. And again, and we're just we're kind of seeing a little resurgence with the character. I'm very stoked. Like I, I used to play the character back in season one when she was pretty awful. <laughs> I got tired of playing her and whatnot, and I was I was pretty thrilled to see her come up kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, and it, it might be a freak blip in the radar where it just so happened that the planets aligned and Laura did good, you know, last weekend. Um, but I, I would hope not. You know, yeah. again, I want to see variety in, in you know, top eights and with all of these characters. The more characters that are viable and the more characters that we're seeing results from, I think ultimately the better look. Um, of course, you, you get dangerously close to like, well, this game is random because it's like, you know, all these different characters. I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh Laura, certainly not more like a top five character or anything like that, but she does have the power to melt you, especially with that V trigger. Um, and a, a, similar to Blanca, not by any means the same, but similar, same ballpark, she's going to get in there and, like you said, she's going to take some guesses. Uh, she's going to put you in the scramble. It's like, well, am I going to try to jump away from the command grab or am I going to try to block the uh, potential strikes? And when you guess wrong, she she stuns you, she resets you, she kills you. It's mm-hmm. like and just about that fast, as long as it took me to say it. That's how it happens. Um, so also a very entertaining character to watch when she does that kind of a thing. Every time Alora um, scores like two or three command grabs in a row and then crush counters the, uh, the attempted escape or whatever, uh, the crowds will go crazy for it. So... A good thing. Um, we'll we'll keep this in mind, and we'll be moving forward and see if we continue to see Alora's here and there. We don't expect her to be in droves like we're seeing Cami for obvious reasons. But it would be nice for yet another character that hasn't had much presence in the ladder brackets and such of of CPT events or majors to uh, to start making more appearances uh, like in a healthy manner. And I think that's kind of what we saw last weekend. Yeah, I agree. It's. Uh, some people thought the character was obliterated. I was just very happy to see that she's still up on top and doing damage, and and she's still very good. Uh, very good being relative. I, I think she's somewhere around the you know upper mid tier or something like that. But she's still relevant, is what I'm kind of getting at. And it was it was really great to see. So uh, another person I wanted to talk about here is, is Daigo actually winning his first premiere event uh, in season three. And so the funny thing about season three people may not realize is that Daigo actually has not attended any ranking events as far as I'm aware so far at all this year. He's only going to premiere events. And and so now he he won his first one. So it's like, okay, so premiere events are really, really big. I believe it's, it's $7,000 if you win first place at them. A lot of competition. Not only is it a ton of CPT points, but there's a good amount of money each time that you're seeing one of these. So I, I'm just kind of curious now, like, what do you think of Daigo's performance first off? And then, like, where do you think of him in the general kind of uh, competitive rankings right now in the game? Like, where are you kind of seeing him at? 
So it's impossible to talk about Daigo really without referencing where he was back in the day with his amazing um, plays. And, and I think the, the most eyes were on him during Street Fighter 4 and what he did, winning the first two Evos um, for Street Fighter 4. And then, of course, there's the third strike moment 37 and, and things like that. And um, there are a couple sequences like his, uh, his Ume Shoryu's against Gamer B, for instance, where he was DPing him on, on offense and things like that, just reading him like a like an open book um so then you fast forward and, and you compare that to his legacy thus far in street fighter 5 there are glimpses of that level play and that um ability to understand what your opponent is thinking and exploit it in his street fighter 5 play but it hasn't been there um it hasn't been consistent enough for him to just be taking everything down now he's won premiere events uh in every iteration of the capcom pro tour since street fighter 5 came out so all three years thus far he has won now with last weekend's victory at a premiere event he's won a premiere um each year he's still an amazing player he's just not winning like he was before uh he's not as uh, as big of a threat because he'll have moments where he's doing amazing stuff. We saw it like at uh, is it Kimono Michi where he was standing as opposed to crouching so that Tokido's normals will whiff. And it's like that's pretty intricate, detailed. Like how many people have thought about the game on that level where and then put it into practice against Tokido, who's arguably the best player for Street Fighter V in the world. Um, and, and you see him do things that no one else is doing, like anti-air with every button and, and like he'll anti-air with sweep or like crouching medium uh, kick with Guile because it changes his hitbox or his hurtbox rather. Um, so there are like little little blips of Daigo greatness that shine through in a Street Fighter V gameplay, but it doesn't all come together as much as it did in Street Fighter Four. I guess I could just say in Street Fighter's past. Um, but it's always feeling like it's potentially on the verge. Like Daigo's on the verge of breaking out into the beast that we've known him to be. That might be this win in the premiere, um, this premiere win. Um, but it might not be because we've seen him do this kind of a thing before in years past and ultimately not, not go on to win the whole thing. It's not rare at all to see Daigo in top eights. Like it's, it's very common. Um, but it's it is kind of rare to see him win the whole thing and and you know the competition has increased there are a lot more players and there are a lot more good players in this game mm-hmm. so so i mean there are a lot of variables a lot of factors that go into this entire equation one of the factors but, I, I actually wanted to mention here is that it does seem that Daigo's doing a lot more business ventures and other things of that nature and i think in the street fighter 4 era he he was doing that stuff but definitely not to the level that he was doing now and you see a lot of sponsorship deals obviously had his book come out you're seeing a number of things Things like that where I think Daigo is putting in quite a bit of time into these games, but I don't think he's putting in the same amount of time that he used to be. And you know, with Street Fighter V being so much about guessing slash reading what your opponent wants to do and choosing to do the counter before, as opposed to reacting with the counter, you'd think someone like Daigo would be even better at it, you know? When there's not so many like, like he's, he's just, you're going to do this and I'm going to counter it with this. Um, and that's like the the kind of the way Street Fighter goes in general, and uh, so to see him not do as well traditionally, it, it is kind of weird to me. Um, but my my analysis of the whole thing is just one person's, you know, yeah. and, and I don't I don't see the entire full picture. But I do think that that's kind of odd there. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing 
uh, how Daigo does moving, you know, towards this latter half of the year and up towards Capcom Cup. He was probably already going to be in Capcom Cup even before his win over the weekend, but now he's for sure. He's like yeah. in the top four right now, or I think he's fifth right now, but with over a thousand points. So it's it's safe to say that he'll be there. And yeah, that's one of that was one of the role changes with the the premiere is actually Capcom said that pretty well they didn't say it but we we analyzed the situation with all the point totals and whatnot and basically winning a premiere event is pretty much a lock it's not a hundred percent lock but man is it like a ninety nine you know percent lock that you're going to get into the uh, Capcom Cup at that point in time yeah so. I think it's like you get like seven hundred and fifty points yeah. and Daigo had I think it was five hundred and two with all of his uh, total leading up to this weekend. So he more than doubled his score. <laughs> um, but see, like with Fujimura, like no no doubt that he's a great player and sometimes he's absolutely on fire. But then like the next weekend where everyone's like, all right, let's see how Fujimura does. And it's like, oh, 33rd. And you go, wait, wait what? You know, you, you just took out like from Stunfest to the, I think it was Combo Breaker right afterwards. He took out like every big name with the exception of like Tokido. And one of those was Infiltration twice, 6-0, and then he comes around to Combo Breaker and he gets 33rd. And then, so you, like, you see success for, for these really good players. And, and Daigo kind of follows this more or less as well, where they'll be on, they'll have a good weekend, they'll have a good day. But it's so hard to be consistent at this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it comes down to, well, who did you run into in bracket and who were they using um, and things like that. It's, it's, it's still very volatile. And so I'm, I'm happy for Daigo, uh, but I'm reserving judgment as to say that he's ascended and, and that we'll see him you know, in grand finals and winning premier events left and right from here on out. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty tall order. But he has absolutely um, improved. We saw him, I think he got third place at E-League, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and yeah, just in, in general, and like especially from when Street Fighter started, uh, I guess that was with Ryu, so we should just say back when he started with Guile, certainly wasn't doing this well. So he's always improving, and uh, we know that as a player, his potential is through the roof. Yeah, I, I've actually got him on the lower end of, of my top 10 right now, like in my in my own rankings, in terms of where I feel like he's at with like other players and stuff. And that's, I mean, for Daigo, that's not very good, but it, for anyone else, that's pretty damn great, you know, type thing. He's in my opinion, usually a threat to do damage, but he just hasn't been that consistent this year. Not as consistent as someone like an Infiltration or Tokido, um, or you know, kind of the other players that are above him. Fujimura definitely has been very consistent for the most part uh, in recent times. Uh, you know, some some performances notwithstanding, but he's he's getting up there. And again, it's this is Daigo's first premier win. He's not attending ranking events. It's it's kind of hard for me to put him up there that far. Uh, but you know, we'll see what what happens here as the season rolls on. Um, it's it's a little interesting to see Daigo, you know, maybe I, I would kind of just maybe knock him down like one or two pegs from where he was before. It's not a lot. It, he's still very, very good, but just kind of maybe doesn't have that, that killer edge he used to have. Yeah, not all the time. Sometimes it peeks through, but he's, he doesn't have the, there consistently enough to put him up in the uh, in the upper, upper echelons. Just the upper one. Yes, there you go. <laughs> All right, and then joining me again this week is our own Majin Tenshinhan to talk specifically about Evo numbers. We got the numbers for all of the Evo games this year. Um, some interesting results there. I won't go too far into it. I'll let him do that. But some stuff to garner out of that and some observations to make about the, uh, the lives of each of these games. Some of them are brand new. Some of them have been around for quite some time. Um, but yeah, Nick, do you want to kind of introduce what's going on with the Evo numbers? Sure, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me again, and uh, let's just dive right into the EVO numbers. So, the main headline when the first came out was that uh, Dragon Ball Fighters was in the first spot, which uh, Wizard had been saying on Twitter for a long time. But I think, like, 
more importantly than Dragon Ball beating Street Fighter, I don't think that's as interesting as the fact that Dragon Ball came out this strong in its first year, because I'm fairly sure this is the biggest debut any game has had besides Street Fighter V, so it's like second in uh, their EVO debut uh, in numbers. So that's a pretty big deal, uh, hopefully it'll go well. Um, Dragon Ball Fighters is looking really strong right now. Uh, you can never really tell the future of fighting games, uh, especially when it's a new IP like this. At least a new fighting game IP. But yeah, I have a question about about Dragon Ball Fighters, um, especially when it's a game's very first run. And I'm not I'm not certain. Maybe you know off the top of your head when Evo signups actually opened up, but. How many of these? Um, how many of the competitors do you feel like are going to be like essentially ghost competitors? People that signed up but don't actually make it to Evo, right? Because uh, I know we had a, a hefty number of those the first year of Street Fighter Five when there were over five thousand, I believe, entrants and such, and and that kind of a thing will happen, and we've seen it happening with Dragon Ball, although it hasn't necessarily been too recorded. So, so it's it's kind of out there in the ether a little bit, but. Um, if you were to just venture a guess, do you think that, you know, like what percentage of the actual um, numbers that are actually registered will actually show up for DBZ? Um, yeah, I think that registration opened up in January. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. But if it mm -hmm. did, as I remember it, then Dragon Ball Fighters uh, wouldn't have been released yet. So it's possible that a lot of people uh, even registered on pre-release hype. If that's the case, I don't actually remember. But uh, either way, I you're right. There will be ghost competitors. There is for any game, and I think there's probably always uh, a higher percentage the first year. Um, it's hard for me to like. I mean, I mean, this isn't like an educated guess. This is just a general guess. But I would right. expect it to be over ten percent ghost competitors, but less than twenty percent. Okay. So, so, so around fifteen or so. There. Yeah, something um, like that. And then, uh, and then, Dragon Ball. If my memory serves correct me, I don't have the numbers right out here in front of me, but uh, it was about like a, a hundred or so over Street Fighter Five, was it? Yeah, about ninety. Ninety more. Okay. So when you when you look at that, and and I imagine most of the competitors here at Street Fighter Five, it being its third year at Evo. Um, and actually, I guess the numbers are down this year for Street Fighter Five, which is something we can get into in a little bit. Um, but I would imagine then that I, I, the numbers are probably pretty close to each other. I wouldn't even be surprised if, when it's all said and done, that Dragon Ball actually has less or more, you know, maybe more. Um, but but yeah, it's it's pretty neck and neck there as far as um, the two big top games. I would I would venture to guess. Yeah, uh, that's true, definitely. And uh, I think that might be why Street Fighter Five is actually on the uh, final spot again, uh, because Wizard has been doing this for a long time. He definitely knows like the trends and stuff better, even better than we do. So maybe he is banking on a certain percentage of uh, ghost players, so to speak, for Dragon Ball, which would put Street Fighter Five above it. It's possible, and maybe that's why Street Fighter Five is actually in the last spot. Well, maybe. and and yeah, I mean, we we want to you know kind of keep things to numbers, but I think this is worth bringing up the idea and, and I think you were part of this conversation the other day we were watching the finals uh, I think it was at Defend the North for Dragon Ball Fighters waiting for that to conclude and uh, and of course we were grabbing highlights and, and it was like kind of few and far between 
that the uh, Dragon Ball Top 8 highlights were, were popping up. Things that we thought, you know, people would appreciate going back and watching. We had a couple, but the game is very flashy, of course. It's all over the place. It's Dragon Ball Z action, and it's very, um, you know, it pays tribute to the to the anime and such. So it's, it's very exciting, but it almost feels as like um, that game is not as much of a spectator sport, if you will, as it was, you know, just a few months ago. It's like we've seen a lot of this over-the-top action, and nowadays, like, of course you can appreciate it on a more nuanced level if you're a pro or if you watch it on the regular and you know what it, you know, what it is to see, like, you know, the tiniest interactions. But for the general public, and, and you know, remember, Evo's popping up on ESPN now, at least for, like, Street Fighter Five and such, um, is it, like, the spectator sport, eSport game that people are going to want to watch, or is that more still reserved for you know the street fighter 5 um well there are a lot of layers to this actually um i'm gonna say that i think that first off dragon ball fighters appeals to different kinds of viewers than street fighter 5 would it's the same way back in the day you had street fighter 4 and you had marvel 3 and sure there was a lot of crossover between those uh viewer wise but there were a lot of people who maybe even weren't into fighting games i have a lot of friends that just like watched uh fighting games but never played them that loved watching marvel and, and i i didn't play marvel almost at all but i would i had no problem watching a marvel top eight finals um before street fighter you know because you want to get a good seat on finals day or whatever so you'd go in and, and you'd have to watch a few other games smash no way that was super boring we had to make bets on like what's what the pokemon stage like what the uh the variations would be and stuff like that trying to keep things interesting you know like five bucks on that it's going to turn into the fire stage or whatever i don't know but but marvel was extremely hype and i didn't even know you know the nuances of what was going on it was just very exciting um just as a spectator that didn't know much of what was going on yeah um i think uh again i have friends that don't play fighting games at all everything they know about fighting games is stuff they learn from me because i like inform them and uh, they, I'm hearing the same things from them now that I heard five, six years ago about Marvel 3. They were like, oh, I turned on a stream, uh, there happened to be this tournament on, Dragon Ball, wow, that game's so fun to watch. Um, so I think there's a lot of that, actually. But as for the, like, eSport, uh, you said, like, ESPN stuff and stuff like that, I don't see Dragon Ball ever actually getting something like that because you have so many licensing issues because you have the animation company and you have all that stuff. And that's the same thing with Marvel, you know. Marvel vs. Capcom, even if it had continued uh, uh, at the same level of success that Marvel vs. Capcom 3 saw, I don't think we would ever see any stuff like E-League for Marvel, because you'd have to deal with Disney, right? And Dragon Ball isn't at Disney level, but you still have stuff like Toei Animation in Japan, and all these kinds of companies that have to say, yes, this is okay for you to show, and you have to make all these kinds of deals which aren't necessary for games like Tekken and Street Fighter. Um, and I think that's probably not going to happen. Uh, you could you could make the same argument about Injustice 2, but the thing about Injustice is it's being headed by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers have all the rights because they own DC, and they own the uh, NetherRealm Studios. So I think it's an easier sell there because you still just have to deal with one company. 
Yeah, so a lot of red tape for Dragon Ball, it sounds like. But um, it's still overall very exciting to see these kinds of numbers come out for this game. It's yet another pillar in the FGC and and really something that uh, we could really use right now, seeing as Marvel didn't take off the way we were all kind of hoping and expecting that it would. So it's nice that there was immediately something else there to at least take its place. Would have been great if it was just another pillar in addition to Marvel, but hey, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Um, but moving on here, uh, only one game had... Uh, was in the uh, was in the red as far as or I'm sorry is in the black as far as getting more entrance than last year um, and that was I'm sorry I should say only one returning game um, and that was Tekken 7. Yes Tekken 7 is up about 300 entrants from last year uh, and actually this is an interesting trend because Tekken 7 started at EVO two years before it actually came out on consoles when it was just in arcades and we've seen it increase every year now so it's had an upwards trajectory and this is its fourth year at EVO and uh, it's just doing better and better every year which is great um, and now now Tekken 7 had come out in the West by EVO last year right this isn't the first time that we're so so what do we attribute this this surge in numbers um for is it just like the the excitement that people have been seeing at at events and stuff and just more and more people continue to join that scene or i guess so because uh tekken has had amazing tournaments since especially since it came out on consoles because before it came out on consoles it was still exciting but it was a bit samey because that's when we had this whole thing where you know JDCR and Saint would always be in finals. Everyone was always saying that, you know, there's no point watching Tekken because it's always JDCR and Saint in finals. Which wasn't entirely true, but it was a little bit like that. But ever since it came out on console, we've seen so many different champions. I mean, even going into the World Tour finals last year, people were still thinking, you know, it's going to be JDCR or Saint. And then a, a few people were like, oh, maybe Nii, because Nii's been really good. And then all of a sudden, none of them win, it's Kudans who wins. And you got all this stuff happening everywhere. You got um, you you have like the former Evo champ Nobi from Japan, and you would assume him to be like the top dog in Japan. But then all of a sudden, this guy called Naroma playing Jack comes along, and he beats both JDCR and Saint and takes the tournament. You have Book in Thailand; he took a tournament just recently. Uh, you got all these guys from all across the world just putting in work, pushing amazing results, and. There's great character variety at the top as well. So I think it's just really friendly for viewers and that leads to people wanting to play it as well. So I think uh, I think that's what the growth can be attributed to. It's just had a really, really strong competitive showing. I think it's all last minute slowdowns before the KOs. I think that 100% of Tekken's <laughs> success is based on that because that is hype every single time you see it. That is the best thing they've added to any current gen fighting game. Yeah, it seems so simple and such, but yeah, it, it really, it, and it's it's almost like a gimmick. It's just like, oh, Michael Bay, slow motion yeah. under the explosion. But now, man, it plays perfectly into it. it it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, so an interesting kind of origin story for uh, for another title, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. It gets announced. There's some controversy over the way the DLC practices, and that's kind of the thing that you know, beyond its initial announcement, that's kind of the thing that people would talk about. It's like, oh my gosh, they're making us buy half the cast and everything. It's like, oh my gosh, they're just going for money and, and it's 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 not a really good look. Well, the game drops and the game is announced for EVO before it's even released. Uh, so, so there's a lot of turbulence leading up to things. It comes out, we get the EVO numbers, it's got over a thousand entrants. Yeah. What do you, tell, tell me about Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. Yeah, I actually did an article about this where it had such a bad pre-release reception. Uh, it was like 
I, I, I don't want to like put down any game, but it felt like Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which also had a turbulent pre-release. And then when it came out, I was like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with this game. Maybe, maybe it was even a mistake to put an Evo. I thought at the time. But then people start playing it. And not only are you seeing all these positive uh, posts everywhere, but it's also rising actively in the EVO rankings because Wizard wouldn't show the numbers at this time, but he kept showing the rankings. And Cross Tag Battle just kept creeping up a little bit. And in the end, uh, the Smash games kind of uh, usurped it, like came under and pushed it down. But it was still above 1,000 entrants at its first outing. And that is huge because... Being above 1,000 at your first uh, EVO, that is also a really, really rare thing. I mean, even Melee didn't do that back in the day when it came back in 2013. Uh, the games that actually have debuted above 1,000 in the past, uh, Smash 4, uh, Pokémon, the aforementioned Street Fighter V and uh, Dragon Ball, of course, and uh, Mortal Kombat 10. But I think those are the only ones. Is there anything to say about the other two games, um, Guilty Gear and Injustice? Is this going to be the last year for those? I don't think either one broke a thousand. Uh, for Injustice, it's like it already probably should have been the last year, last you know, in 2017, um, because I, I think it's like half the entrance that it had um, last year, and we're not really seeing it at majors. I think that game's competitive um, life is just about over, or maybe it ended a, a few months ago. Um, and then you have the... Uh, well, what used to be one of like the, you know like the main anime titles in Guilty Gear, and that's still very healthy and everything. But now you have Dragon Ball maybe kind of edging it out, and then of course Blaze Blue Cross tag battles there for the uh, the quote unquote anime scene. Um, and and that's not to say that you can only have one or two anime games by any means, but it seems like that might be dwindling. What are what are the numbers like compared um, you know to last year for Blaze Blue? I mean, I'm sorry for Guilty Gear. Right. Uh, let's uh, just cover Injustice quickly first. This is what we see every time with NRS games, you know. The second year, they kind of die because there's this NRS cycle where they keep releasing uh, a new Injustice or Mortal Kombat in intervals. But they haven't actually announced Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, so I think maybe, P uh, maybe people were just kind of expecting um, Mortal Kombat to come along and start that hype train. Injustice is down a lot. Uh, as you said, it's down, like, it's less than half from last year. And uh, that can also be attributed to, you have the top players, you know, you have Sonic Fox, you have Dragon, uh, you have Gur, you've got all these guys who are kind of dominating. And uh, I think it's hard for a new player to get motivated to get in it when you have these guys who are always at the top. And of course, the NRS thing, like people are probably waiting for Mortal Kombat 11 at this point. <clears throat> As for Guilty Gear, um, Guilty Gear actually, uh, XR that is, uh, it started at EVO in 2015 when it came out and it's actually been declining every year, but not a lot, maybe about around 10% every time, um, which is still fine. But this year it actually dropped a bit more. This year's drop is closer to 20-25%. Um, but I think, as you said, that can also be attributed to having Dragon Ball and Blaze Blue. I think there's a lot of crossover there and you have players like uh, Dogura and Kazunoko, who traditionally play Guilty Gear. And I don't know if they're signed up for Guilty Gear at this event, because at least Dogura tends to focus on two games at a time. So I would imagine that Dogura didn't sign up for Guilty Gear, but is signed up for Street Fighter and Dragon Ball. 
Um, sure. And that makes sense just from a monetary standpoint, right? You, you stand more to gain um, in both notoriety and finances if you're winning those games. Absolutely. But not, not only that, but it's even if you're good at free games, if you're going to focus on all these free games, maybe you're good enough where you would get top 16 in all free, but that doesn't translate to any prize money. So wouldn't you rather be good enough to get top eight in two of them by just focusing on those two? Sure. Something sure, that like makes that. Sense. Yeah. So absolutely, there are, there are several layers to it. Um, I think it might be something like that, but still, I, I would say Guilty Gear has some very healthy numbers because that is year four, and you're still at 620, almost 630 players. That's, that's strong, it is. Would you venture to guess that this is Guilty Gear's last year in the Evo roster, or um, lineup, at least in the iteration that it's in right now, or do you think we'll see it again next year? Actually, I think we're going to see an announcement at EVO for Guilty Gear. I think we're going to see a new version, and I think Guilty Gear will be around next year as well. Interesting. And then kind of on that front as well, the, the whole having two games, uh, two Smash games at EVO has brought up a, kind of a controversial conversation every single year for the last couple of years. Um, there's no doubt that this will be the last year for Wii U, Smash Wii U, because Ultimate will be coming out in December. Um, and so we expect to see Ultimate next year at EVO. But do we expect to see Ultimate and Melee? Or is there a chance that we won't see Melee next year? I think that any savvy businessman is not going to say no to money. And... Based on the success of EVO, I imagine Wizard to be a savvy businessman. So looking at the numbers, yeah, sure, you have other games that are actually rising to the occasion. They're going above. The Smash numbers aren't as huge as they were before, but they're still big. I And these are players that don't play other games. So almost every person signed up for Melee is a unique ticket. So I really don't see it being cut. I have a very, very hard time imagining they would uh, remove Melee. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I don't think that... Because there was some discussion, uh, I think it was yesterday on Best of Five, there was an argument made that we won't see Melee, it'll only be one Smash game next year, and that'll be Ultimate. But I have a really hard time seeing um, seeing them cut Melee when it's it's still, I think it's over like 1,500 this year. Yeah. So, uh, it's, yeah, uh, it's just like... Uh, 1,400, but yeah. 13, okay. Still, still really yeah. high. So um, you mentioned an announcement for a potential announcement for Guilty Gear. Uh, do you think there will be any others? Because obviously, Evo, you've got a ton of eyes on you. It's the prime place. I think we've seen an announcement for Street Fighter every year right. um, for the last couple of years and things like that. Like it's it's the place to make those. Do you have any predictions for other announcements? Uh, let's just take it from the top and go briefly for each game. Uh, with Dragon Ball Fighters, we just saw uh, Goku and Vegeta trailers. So I honestly don't think we're going to see anything for Dragon Ball. Uh, because the other characters are going to be like two months away or something. So Yeah, and they also announced the, um, what was it, the balance patch. That was right, like yesterday right. we started hearing about that, that there was going to be a, a mostly buff balance yeah. patch. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, one week away for another announcement. And I don't know that Dragon Ball is necessarily um, on the quote-unquote Evo schedule. They have their own pro tours, or tour, I should say. So it's like, yeah, maybe they're just kind of doing their own thing. So so you're not expecting a ton from Dragon Ball. Um, then you got Street Fighter. What do you think from Street Fighter? We're going to see G, right? We just have, the G trailer, We right? have to see G. I mean, Capcom haven't really risen to the other... Uh, developers at EVO traditionally because you've had people doing these huge things you know there was uh, the time where Harada showed Bob and then he just said oh Bob's not enough for you well here's Master Raven too and then mm-hmm. uh, Capcom came up after and showed Jury who we'd already seen and that mm-hmm. was it and I'm not yeah. I'm not dogging Capcom but to them EVO isn't 
special because they continuously show stuff, right? So I think we can expect G for Evo, but nothing more than that. I mean, if I were them, uh, I would definitely make it more of a Christmas morning. Like it's it's like two presents, you know, kind of like what you you were talking about with Tekken. But you're right. Last year, I think all it was was Abigail. Um, and and it's like, hey, at least they're doing a, a reveal for it, and that's good. But yeah, I would I would definitely try to blow it out of the water yeah. and make it a big deal, big memorable thing. And they they don't. So it sounds just about right. I would also venture to guess just a G trailer, which great, you know, a, a G trailer, good. We'll we'll take it, especially after how things have been with this this you know. Ah, uh, we don't need to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so a G trailer. Exactly. And then uh, Tekken and Blaze Blue, I think, are in the exact same scenario where we know there's more content coming. Blaze Blue announced they will be doing a second season beyond the characters that we are already aware of, and uh, Tekken Seven has had uh, more DLC entries discovered, and they've also said uh, that they have more surprises waiting. So I think we're going to see additional content for both of those games presented at Evo. Um, as for Smash, uh, Nintendo have never done anything at Evo, but they are bringing Ultimate, and they're having a exhibition tournament, I believe, at Evo. It's possible we'll see a character because they've been quiet since E3. I wouldn't count on it, but odds are better than they've been any other year. Um, as I said, I do believe Guilty Gear Excerpt is getting a new version. I really, really think that's going to happen. And I believe that that's what we're going to see after the uh, Guilty Gear Finals uh, on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, as for Injustice, it's been pretty clear that... Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were like the last thing we're getting for Injustice. So unless those plans have changed, what I'm expecting is for Ed Boon to just come up on stage and shock everyone with Mortal Kombat 11 because everyone was expecting it at E3. That didn't happen. And then Comic-Con passed. It didn't happen there. And now that people's expectations have been lowered and people are kind of like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe Mortal Kombat isn't happening. That's traditionally when Ed Boon would come in and just throw it in everyone's face. I think he needs to have Dan Ford and pop out of like a trapdoor underneath the <laughs> stage and announce it. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Nick. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. Was there anything else you wanted to tack on here at the end? Um, no, I think that should be about it. Oh, actually, yes, one thing. Um, last year, Evo had nine games. This year, we have eight games. But if you add the entrants together, we're still more than 1,000 entrants above last year. Uh, I think mainly that's because Dragon Ball was such a huge success at first year, but I still think it's worth noting, even with one game less, you're getting more entrance, so Evo is definitely showing growth as an event, which is great. Great for FGC. Well, like I said, thank you so much for jumping on. We're looking forward to a very exciting Evo 2018. I'm going to try to win it, but if I don't, I'm going to play a lot of craps and have fun that way. (laughs) Well, uh, best of luck to you. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. All right. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. All right. And we'll jump back over with John here as there were one or two more things that he wanted to discuss before we close things out. So one of the things that also happened this last week here is we had San Diego Comic-Con and all of us on staff were talking about like how much we were looking forward to the event. Like we're all hyped up about the announcements. We're, we're planning out coverage to make sure we've got people on pretty much constantly. And so everyone's super hyped up about it. And 
We got costumes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's pretty much all we got. Like, we had some cool developer interviews come up, you know, uh, and our readers love costumes. Like, you know, we, we talk about being, um, like, renaming the websites, like, event hubs like fashion or something like that. Because uh, that's, like, how much our readers just go gaga over the, uh, the costumes and whatnot we put up there. Uh, so that was good for us. Um, but there was a little bit of a, a bomb that, that Ono dropped here. And so this is actually such a big subject, and I wanted to go back over this uh, in, in quite a bit more detail, talking about basically Ono and Darkstalkers and kind of the history of the franchise. And then as we were going through this podcast and putting it together, we realized, like, man, this is probably too big of a subject to just kind of, like, compress all into here, or it's going to end up being, like, you know, a two- or three-hour podcast. So, so what we're actually going to do is we're going we're gonna to stop here. But we're going to be back here very soon, like with the next like day or two, and we're going to have a full-on podcast, basically about talking about owner and Ono and Dark, Darkstalkers, and it may be like you guys are like like look like he barely tweeted about it, like he mentioned stuff like offhand, but like Darkstalkers has a very interesting and compelling history, very heavily tied to Street Fighter Four that we just really wanted to do a proper service of and like kind of just delve into very heavily. Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it because I don't know a ton about the uh, the series. I've never really played Darkstalkers. I've I've been exposed to um, a decent amount of it, especially because uh, I mean, working here on the website, we we you know reference it quite a bit, and uh, characters like Morgan and Felicia have um, branched out into other games like the Marvel franchise, for instance, and things like that. And so um, you can't really be in the fighting game community too long without hearing about Darkstalkers, but. Um, you know, generally speaking, it's something that's that was from a, a chapter or two ago, or maybe even more, as far as the fighting game community, and we haven't seen anything about it. Um, but the people that like it really like it, and yes. so there's got to be a reason for that. So I'm intrigued to hear about, you know, like the the uh, the stories and such, and and the possibilities for the future. Yeah, big passion and some unfortunately big failures with with Darkstalkers, and and we're definitely going to get into all to that. So um, so yeah. So guys, that's all we've got for you for the, this episode. And we want to thank everyone again for tuning in. If you've left a review on iTunes, like I just went through there again and, and noticed that people are doing that. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to do that and, and to talk about the podcast. And we had someone uh, contact us on Twitter the other day and just like give some ideas of, of what they'd like to hear. Like, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. It means such, like, it's great just seeing the feedback and, and knowing that there, there are a lot of people out there actually listening to the podcast now. And we're going to keep trying to ramp up and do even more. Uh, John and I are talking constantly about how we can improve the product here and just get you guys more content that you want. And so, yeah, big shout out to everyone listening. Thank you again for taking the time to do it. We, we really appreciate it. Yep, and go tell your friends. <laughs> all right, guys, that's all we got for, for now. And we'll be back soon with Darkstalkers. Adios.